A to Z, innit? Hello and welcome to Maiden A to Z. My name is Eric and not with me this time is my co-host Jonathan. He's off doing something, uh, we don't know what he's doing frankly. Uh, maybe you do, I just haven't been paying attention. Maybe we can make something up. We'll make something up, we'll speculate with wild abandon in this episode what he's doing. <laughs> uh, but instead I have with me, uh, Henrik. Yes. And Matthias. Hello, hello. And this is a rare or a very weird episode in many ways because we actually already did this episode once. Yes. And the infamous cursed episode that they recorded in the, in the uh, Jonathan studio, where I think did anything of that actually end up working, or do we have to de- do we have to redo everything? I don't know how it worked. I mean, I don't think there was anything usable at the end, but no. it, there was a lot of stuff that we had to restart, to redo when we two were two out of four microphones was malfunctioning. Yeah. yeah, and beers were dropped into equipment and fell onto the floor, and it was. It was a, it was it was not it was not a good situation, but I think yeah it was it was it was we also were there for quite a while, but yeah. none of it was useful. That's what yeah, but we're so hopefully this will hopefully well we might have jinxed this, but uh, hopefully not. No, I, I never jinx things. No, very that's good. So today's agenda is uh, this is weird. I, we haven't really done a proper song episode in a while, so it feels like a, a comeback episode in, in many ways. But uh, so we're it's a slightly odd song for that I guess or something uh, I wouldn't ne- not necessarily a song I would pick for this momentous occasion but nevertheless Lord of the Flies is today's agenda that's how the yes. alphabet works yes you that's how the alphabet you works. can't really dictate anything else <laughs> I'm wondering when because we just announced our, our two year anniversary party I'm wondering what, what song that's going to be that we do the episode for then because I don't think it's going to be if we, if we if we hadn't taken all the breaks we've taken we probably would have been like on like Ryan's Mariner Revelations. I don't think it's going to happen now. It's going to be something. They're not going to be Quest for Fire or something. Oh, that'd be fun. <laughs> <laughs> well, either way, we'll, we'll get to that at some point. Yeah. yeah. Now, I'm going to try not to. Thankfully, it'd be pretty hard for me to retread some of the stuff we talked about before because I don't remember much of it. <laughs> but I do recall you guys had a story about hearing this song for the first time. Yeah. Yeah, we, we were at the Iron Maiden fan club convention in London in 1995 for a listening premiere of the album. Yeah. It was allegedly mixed that afternoon. And if you're going to judge anything by the sound of that record, it's probably true. But <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately. Yeah. The fan club is to blame for the weak mix. Yeah. <laughs> they had to rush it. <laughs> Because they worked on that album for a long time, didn't they? Yeah. Comparatively mm. speaking to other albums they did during that era, but so you'd figure they it would end up sounding very, you know, pretty good because. Yeah. They, but, but I guess yeah. And I guess it's one of the few records they actually uh, recorded more songs than they actually needed. Yeah. Mm. And you could argue that they perhaps should have cut a few songs mm. even more for the final LP album. version. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Now was this? But not this one. No, this one. No. no. All right. Well, initially, nope. initially, was this album initially released on vinyl, or was that just CD back then? No, it, it was, was on, vinyl. Uh, uh, on vinyl. Clear right? double vinyl. Yeah. All right. Yes. Because mm-hmm. it seems like a lot of times bands, like when, especially in the sort of more, when it's more so just exclusively CD, people would put on more songs than you necessarily would because uh, you, you could fit more in a CD, I guess. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
That wasn't the case here, though. I think Iron Maiden never did that. I mean, all the CDs and vinyls had the same songs. There was never any bonus on a CD no. version. No. Or, uh, Some bands did, though, yeah. in the 90s, but uh, Maiden never did. I think it destroys... When I'm listening to an album on Spotify, it, for me, it destroys the flow of the album. If there's a bunch of, like, just demos and... Uh, and you know, like live clips. I mean, I, I get middle. You can just turn the, turn it off when you're done. I guess that's mm. the easy way of doing that. But I, I've never been a big fan of extra stuff. Like yeah, I mean, all the re-releases get all the weird extra stuff on yeah. it. So, yeah, yeah. I, I I really think it ruins an album when you have like live tracks. You have a that you have the final the final track, mm. the ending song, yeah. and then there all of a sudden there's B sides and live cuts from yeah. out of nowhere on the same disc. I think it's. Well, they, they put together. Yeah, yeah. They put together a package, obviously, where you want to have a, you know, beginning, a middle, and an end. Mm. So after the end, you sh- it kind of ruins things. You yeah. get a, you know, like a generally speaking, probably a, a live version of whatever the big song was in that album. Yeah, you know, mm. I know that when Maiden re-released uh, and did the first like proper re-releases in the nineties, they had a, a double CD set. Yeah. So the all the extra material was on a on a different CD. Yeah. And it was a European version and a US version. As well on Castle. That, mm. That's a better way of doing it, I think. Uh, much better. Yeah. 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 I remember the first time I got um, Bruce's The Best Of album, which obviously that's a different thing because it's not actually, you know, it's not a, it's not an album in the sense that it's not, it's, it's not a collection of songs that were necessarily meant to, you know, be together that way. No. Yeah. Mm. But I forgot, I didn't know, I did not read the back, uh, the back of the album I put in the bonus disc. So I was listening, I think I was listening at some, at, uh, I put it on at somebody's house and I forgot that it was my girlfriend at the time, and all of a sudden, because there's the track where Bruce just speaks for like <laughs> the, the voice of crew. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's like ten or fifteen minutes mm-hmm. or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I also have. The, I think it ends with the uh, the Dracula. Yeah, yeah, that's a hell of a song. <laughs> that's a hell of a song. Yeah, I, I like it. I think it's a very, I mean, interesting timepiece in that sense. Yeah, absolutely. It becomes more interesting when you sort of, uh, when you read his book and stuff, and you know sort of stuff what's going on around there. It becomes more fun, I think. But it's, uh, it's pro- perhaps not his best work. <coughs> but but considering it's his first effort in a studio. Oh, yeah, that's, yeah. that's good then. I mean, that's pretty amazing. It's yeah. legged vocals and stuff like that. So exactly. I don't know yeah. if, if the guy who wrote the song had, like, had proper ideas and said, you sing this and this and this, or if it was Bruce who just... Said, can I try yeah, this? Yeah, and I, I don't know. I don't know. No, no but the, no. but the result for a, for a beginner is, oh yeah, that is quite a, good. That, that is very true. That is very true. Mm. It's a, yeah, it's also you know, a lot of times when when bands release early efforts, people will be very harsh towards it, even though there's no way they could have done better themselves in the first recordings. Mm. <laughs> of course, yeah, the curse of the critic. Indeed. Yeah. <laughs> so to this to this uh, the first time you guys heard it, do you recall what your feelings were initially when you? Yeah, Lord of the Flies. I mean, initially, I rem- I just remember the listening thing there, and I, I thought the choirs and the stuff at the beginning of Saint Silent Cross was very interesting. And mm-hmm. then it sort of, when when the song actually started, I felt like oh, they could have done so much more than this. And then, and then things just gradually went worse, mm. more or less. But I think I remember Lord of the Flies being. I mean, it's a bit more up-tempo than the other songs on the album yeah. and yeah. it definitely it's definitely its strong point on that album in that sequence that it's a yeah. bit more of a yeah, I would I hesitate to say driving song because production is not really holding up but no now if it had a more of a like if there's more oomph to the production then yeah. it could have been more of that then I definitely think uh, so yeah. and the tempo is slightly off yeah because uh, I know that I like the song from from from, st- from the start, but 
when we uh, saw Maiden live back in 95 mm. when they did the song live was like oh yeah oh now yeah, yeah this yeah. is th now it's working properly because mm. when they played it live it was more like for real more guitars more attitude more yeah. fire so uh, live it really really worked mm. much now, better for me anyway now, now they, they they did revisit the song uh, i was gonna say a couple years ago i guess now it's 19 years ago but yeah um, I mean, the Death on the Road yeah. Yeah. tour. So yeah. what do you feel about that version compared to when you heard it on tour initially? It's interesting because it's the only Iron Maiden track that I can think of, and I don't think there is any other one, that they actually have chosen to change the key. The key, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's what we talked about last time. Because the, the original one is, it starts in E, and then it goes into F sharp for oh. the verses. And this one, they actually lowered it uh, a whole step, so it starts mm. in D, and yeah. then the verses go in E. For, to enable Bruce to, since they, yeah, Bruce is singing it obviously, so to enable Bruce to go a bit higher on the later bits of the chorus, which I think benefits the song in that way. Yeah, but honestly, I think Bruce is struggling a bit. He when is. It's, 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 yeah. but he's, it's really he's, high up. Yeah, but he's struggling the way he's always been struggling. I mean, yeah. it's, it's, it can be that kind of thing that some nights it's perfect and some nights it's struggling. I mean, yeah. I don't know. I heard a version of it um, on one of the bootlegs because he had a cold during that tour. I recall this yeah. part of it. So there's certain there's a version. I think it was in um, I don't know where it would have been after the Sweden uh, the Sweden shows where he he didn't go up. He just sort of he sort of stayed in a lower sort of yeah. and uh, sort of sort of like more kind of thing that he's doing a lot nowadays on like Stratego and that kind of stuff. And that sounded really good. I felt mm -hmm. uh, he's really good at doing stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. I know I have some recording from I think Sheffield, eighty six. Eighty six. Yeah, when he well, has a he's terrible cold. Terrible cold. Yeah, but I mean he pulls it off brilliantly. It's Just yeah, it's very interesting because they did two consecutive nights at Sheffield City Hall. They filmed the video yeah. footage for Stranger in a Strange, Strange Land there, yeah. and there are two video bootlegs from the, I mean audience bootlegs from yeah, yeah. both nights and. The first night is heavily circulated. I mean, it was during the VHS circulating thing. and uh, But the second, and you can tell that Bruce is struggling. The second night, he was even worse. But the thing is, then he started going down yeah. and, and putting the melodies other places. And it sounds a lot better. Yeah. 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 And Almost rearranging the songs. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. But it's a, it's a, it's very professional to be able to do that. You just pull it off very as good, you go along. A very good musician. Musicianship. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. So there's speculation. We, we don't need to talk about it too much. We are. I don't think actually we have done this on this podcast. But um, there's speculation they're going to revisiting somewhere in time kind of era uh, on this next one because they've been they were dropping a lot. They, were, they he said something on tour about uh, see you somewhere in time. Okay. I think I think that's and, well, a very loose. Well, also they were just re-released a bunch of merch. Uh, did like a, and uh, they're using the somewhere in time font. Yeah. And all the stuff. Yeah, so, but I why not? I mean, it would be interesting to hear. I would love. I would love to hear "Stranger in a Strange Land," and then I'm happy. I mean, but, probably uh, just because of that, they're not going to do that. And he's of course, <laughs> they're not going to do it. But they're not going to do any other. They're going to do "Heaven Can Wait." Yeah, and uh, and possibly. Uh, I mean, I've said I was going to be great for a while now, but we'll see. I don't know. I don't know. It's a weird thing that he's just a teaser. Yeah, yeah I think so. And I mean, what I've seen is just been. I mean, he says says weird stuff all the time. I mean, yeah. Maybe. And also nowadays, anything that is said, even in passing, becomes a, 
an article somewhere, and then people start you know, speculating on it. When they, you know, yeah. like, I guess sort of like what I'm doing yeah, here. Possibly. I mean, I mean, I'm not going to say it's wrong, because I don't know. But I remember there was like a, earlier this year, I think Dave Murray made a comment about how he likes he likes being at home spending time with his grandkids or something, and then their kids, and then that turned into an article saying he wanted to retire. <laughs> so, you know, so, and, he uh, has grandkids. I didn't. I know, know grandkids or kids. I don't know. He wants. He wants to be at home. I or, didn't know anyone in Maiden Camp had kids. Uh, had grandkids. I think Steve probably does. I don't think so. Uh, I don't know either. What nice to not know that. <laughs> <laughs> it's also interesting because a lot. It's, 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 sort of, it's sort of fun because a lot of, uh, as far as, you know, you. you, you very sort of surface level stuff. You you kind of know things about their their personal lives, but not, not much more than that, which I think is interesting. Yeah, um, yeah. Um, it's a little, little more now because they're not them so much as a lot of their girlfriends and wives have Instagram posts. Yeah. So, uh, but even there, it's very just surface level stuff. Yeah. It's not you know. Yeah, but still, are going to get a name of someone's kids and stuff like that. I mean, you didn't really get them. I mean, you, you, I knew that it was Lauren Harris, but I didn't know the name of any of the other kids until. Like when they started playing in bands, yeah. George and yeah, I think they've been on thank you lists. They've been on thank you lists, yeah, yes. but they're not much more than that. And that's that's I mean that's kind of you know a lot of people. Uh, that's enough. Yeah, I think yeah. that's. I mean, you don't, you don't you don't necessarily need to know more than that. Uh, I mean, some of them have chosen to be more in the, in the public eye. Like, yeah. like a lot of Bruce's, all, all Bruce's kids, most of them have are in bands, I guess, aren't they? Um, Feels like it, but yeah. I don't. I don't, I don't, I don't know, know if know, the. If his daughter has a band, does she? I don't know. Well, either, well, either they have, they have, because, um, uh, but s- several of them are sort of active on social media and promote their mm. ideas and whatnot. So obviously they've chosen to sort of be in the kind of public, you know, mm. somewhat public, uh, even though they don't really necessarily mention their, you know, I, I think they probably, I think the problem is, I think, I think they get followed by a lot of Maiden fans and they probably don't want to talk about that. Yeah, because you know it's, it's what you know. It's um, it's a blessing and a curse. Yeah, they get lots of attention, but is it the kind of attention that you really want? Yeah, I saw it was like at uh, I think it was Austin Dickinson's uh, his his wedding. Uh, he he was he got married this summer apparently, and inevitably. Uh, Do you stalk these people? Uh, no, I don't actually. But, <laughs> but uh, you, you don't have to because really, like they send you these notifications. <laughs> yeah, you don't have uh, to. Yeah. No, because the fact that uh, the stuff footage like videos from the wedding were on like metal websites. Okay. Like of, of Bruce. Uh, oh, why, why not? <laughs> so I don't know, but who knows? Anyways, that's not what we're here to talk about. Um, Lord of the Flies—that's what it was. Mm-hmm. Um, I lost my train of thought uh, completely. Do you remember when you first heard the song? Yeah, I probably would have been... um, Whenever I got the X Factor, which probably was pretty late. There must have been... I'm probably contradicting something I already said in this podcast before, but it would have been... I I think 2000, something around there, Mm -hmm. for the first time. But that was also... It was... uh, it probably got discarded pretty quickly because I had the problem where there was a, an older friend of mine who was, who was sort of told, well, you're not supposed to like those because not the real guy. Yeah. And that's, the, so I probably, uh, there's probably, there's a lot of stuff I didn't really end up appreciating too much later because I was sort of foolishly listening to him and like, well, you're not supposed to like that. He's not the mm-hmm. real guy. Yeah. So you didn't know that, but someone told you that. Yeah. And then you point. sort of, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, that's, this was still when, you know, there was, there, I mean, there was internet, but not in the, not in the way there is now. No, of course not. Um, so it was vaguely that there was a, a, uh, some guy at school had best of the best of the beast, and he could you could sort of hear their different singers on some of the albums, mm. uh, some of the songs. That that's how you kind of. I mean, because he I think he just had the, I I got to borrow 
That, that, that well, I think I got to borrow the CD, that CD from him, and he, but just the CD, not the case for some reason. Like I knew mm. none of their case, so I, could, I had no information on what anything was. Uh, but that's not that's not on there, obviously. So I must have heard that when I actually got Dex Factor. But I don't remember specifically. Mm. But it would have been in that kind of era. Uh, it was I, a forgettable moment in your life. <laughs> I think so. Yes, <laughs> apparently. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, but also it, it is very it is a very different. I enjoy it more now, but it is, it is a very different album compared to other things in the. The yeah. Funny story when I when I uh, when I first tried to actually buy the album, I was uh, I was in a store, and uh, the guy who he must have had a delivery, <laughs> and I said something like, "Oh, you have the new Maiden album? That's good." And while paying for it, I said, "It's interesting you you have this because it's not out until." a week or Friday or mm. something like that and the guy literally pulls the CD from my hand <laughs> like oh, I'm not allowed to sell that good, good you told me mm. uh, oh, you, uh, are, are you kidding yeah. <laughs> did, you get, did you get your money back at least yeah, yeah I got mm. my money back and I said it's not like I would phone the EMI in Stockholm and say that this guy in VMB is selling your <laughs> flogging your CDs yeah. four days before the release date yeah. Yeah. And he was like, no, no, I can't do that. No, no. Hmm? That's, uh, that will be really wrong. It's not like they're going to send the fucking like, <laughs> SAS strike force to fucking be in my beast. <laughs> it's so, so absurd. And I, yeah. I mean, I, I grew up in the forest. It wasn't like I was passing a record store every day. So I, mm. I guess this delayed my actual mm. purchase yeah. of the mm. CD by a few weeks or something. That's really weird because I, uh, when I bought No Play of the Dying, <laughs> I, I got it. It was a few days before the release I didn't know that it wasn't it hadn't been released I mean it was there in the store I just bought it and no one mentioned anything and it was afterwards that I realized oh it it's not unreleased until today Mm. so it was really interesting there there, I used to have a guy who uh, worked at a record store in in, uh, the old old town in Stockholm and he used to sometimes let me get by stuff a few days Mm. in advance but again this was this was this was 2000 I got to my dad's death like about like uh, a couple days early I think and I, even then, this was this was an internet era. But even then, I, if I wanted to spread it, I don't know how I'd do it. No, now, now it is easier. Yeah. But, but you know, what, what but did, in '95, you see, yeah, we what, had this. Co- we could send mail to people, mm-hmm. which will arrive at the same time as the album would actually have come out. Yeah, yeah. So exactly. So worst case scenario, <laughs> they get a tape of the thing. They can well, start to phone up people and pl- play back through the telephone. And we, we could possibly <laughs> make real audio files. Yeah. And, um, Oh wow, that was a, that's, I forgot that existed. Yeah, <laughs> real audio. Yeah, it's interesting. Mm. So the um, <laughs> to, to the song itself. Uh, we, uh, what, what song is it? It's Lord of the Flies. <laughs> Lord yeah. of the Flies. Mm-hmm. So Welcome. Thank We're you. now discussing Lord yes, of the indeed. Flies. Mm-hmm. Um, it's uh, now who wrote this one? It's not because I remember I was incorrect last time we discussed this. It's Steve and Yannick. Yeah, all right. Yannick mm-hmm. wrote the music, yeah. and Steve wrote. It the is music. a very Yannick kind of riff. Yeah, yeah absolutely, and he used it more than once. Mm. There's uh, he does it again on uh, there's a Gates of Tomorrow. Gates of Tomorrow, yeah. That's a pretty forgettable song, isn't it? Pretty forgettable. It's okay. Yeah, but uh, yeah, it's not one of their best. No, it, it, just, it just occurs to me that I have no memory of ever having talked about it, which I must have on this podcast. <laughs> but maybe it was paired with something more interesting. In, like, in, I think it was in a very weird pairing. Or, yeah, that's yeah. yes, probably that's what it was. I think. Yeah, that's weird. It was the only one I could call it, or Gangland. Something in G, I guess. But. Yeah, I guess. Well, who knows? But um, now, last time we did discuss the lyrics a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Let's do that. Let's get into the lyrics. Y'all get the they are 
uh, interesting. They are sort of alluding to the book, aren't they? Yeah. Now the book is obviously we just uh, is by uh, William William Golding. Golding. Yeah. Book called Lord of the Flies, released in I don't know when. Fifty four. Nineteen fifty four, and they made a movie out of it a few years later. A few and years then later. Even later in. In the 90s, I think they made a movie of it. I think that the first version, uh, the first movie came out in the early 60s and then okay. again in the 90s or something. Mm. I have. I've seen no, the black and white one, I know yeah, it. But I can't remember it. I, I've no. read the book, I think I even have the book mm. at home. Uh, I even have the book at someone else's place. Right. No? In case you need <laughs> that. <laughs> no. <laughs> what a weird thing. I have the book at home. Yeah. <laughs> Just so you know, mm. <laughs> the, um, the, the, uh, the the book is a. I mean, he's a good author. Yeah. But I think the problem with the book is the, the that the sentiment of the book is shit, basically. Yeah, since I haven't read it, I don't it, know. It, uh, I mean, the book sort of the 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 meaning. Shall we perhaps tell what the, what the, the moral mo- of the book? Or well, yeah, the, so moral. The, the book is essentially about a bunch of kids who get shipwrecked on an island. Yeah, yeah, and um, it doesn't go well. It doesn't <laughs> go. It doesn't go well. I, th- I think the idea sort of is what, what happens in this situation when they're sort of left to, you know, make their make up their yeah. own rules, and it's sort of a, soon they turn into like two gangs, and there's mm-hmm. one this geek kid who is on his own, yeah. but the two rival gangs. Fighting for some sort of power yeah. within within uh, all of them on this mm. island, and there's something about again. I, sh- I mean, I, I've uh, we we watched the the '90s version in school. I have read the book. It was probably around the same time. I don't remember very much about it, except other than I do know it sort of leads up to one of the boys getting killed. Correct? Mm. Is that? Well, spo- sorry, spoilers for anyone. Yeah, spoilers. Spoiler, <laughs> spoiler alert. Anyone is planning to watch yeah. it. And there's a conch shell. They have, they have there's a shell. And they, they, is, is this whoever was holding that was allowed to talk? Yeah. All right. And um, I think it sort of accumulates to them the, 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 the killing one of the boys. Isn't the, kill, isn't the boy they kill named uh, Ra- Ralph? There is someone called Ralph. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, anyway, who knows? I, no, Ralph, I think Ralph is... I'll, I'll, I can just, I'm holding a phone. I can just look at it now. <laughs> um, but... It, uh, they they sort of the boy dies and then slightly soon thereafter they're they're rescued I think yeah and I think they um, I mean I don't well, 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 what, yeah but yeah you're looking up Ralph now are you I'm or, looking up I'm looking at the just the movies I can see yeah. the characters names. There because I mean as far as I understand the the lyrics are sort of touching the same theme or whatever it's not based on the movie but it's sort of not the re- idea not really no yeah. no and. Again, it's it. I guess it's the Steve Harris escapism thing. I don't care for this world anymore. Yeah, mm. I just want to live in my own fantasy. Mm. Fate has brought. Well, here, here's obviously a link to the yeah yeah. Fate has brought us to the shores. What was meant to be is now happening. Now I recall us picking that line up yeah. last time. <laughs> yeah, and and I mean that that's the big problem for me with the book and everything uh, because it's sort of the moral of the book is that within man within humans there's this struggle uh, uh, and the the book sort of means that the, there is an inherent evil in everyone yes. yeah. and there's always this struggle between um, the struggle for power mm. uh, and on this island the two uh, one of the two 
gangs yeah. are living, uh, trying to live like a civil, peaceful way, mm. while the other, uh, while the other boys is much more savage yeah. and uh, uh, use violence uh, to coerce and to to get their um, to get their power. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, I mean, there was even. Uh, uh, the, the, this actually happened in reality after the book was written. Yes, that's right, that's right, yeah. In the 60s, I think even, just a few years after the book was put out, it was a, a group of schoolboys that had a plane that crashed in the Pacific somewhere, yeah. I think. And uh, no, this that didn't happen. No. Mm. No, there was no power struggle. They, were, they just tried to survive uh, during their chores to just get by. Yeah. And eventually they were picked up Within a few weeks or something, and no one had, killed. and no one was killed. There were no delusional uh, pigs' heads with f- swarmed with flies t- telling them stuff. I thought you were saying there were no delusional bassists writing songs about their experience. <laughs> <laughs> no, not yet. But maybe I will. Yeah. Well, <laughs> pick up the challenge. Yeah. As far as I can be considered a delusional so, so bass yeah. player. You, you write another song. <laughs> What about that thing instead? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like that's a that's a semi-brilliant idea, yeah. actually. But it's also very uneventful because nothing really happens. Everything's fine. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But I'm I'm into that kind of uh, lyrics. Mm. <laughs> boring lyrics. Well, speaking of boring lyrics, uh, <laughs> I mean, there's, there's I mean, there's it's it's sometimes it seems like um, there's there's another example. I'm sure I can't think of right now. But th- these are very. Um, it seems like if you were like there's a there might be a more uh, well phrased sentiment, and then this is like a, a dumbed down version of that. It's some certain bits of it, like like if I can think I can find a good example here. Um, let's see. Oh, I, can, I just because of that, I'm not going to find the damn thing. Because there's uh, what was it? Just the uh, what was meant to be is now happening. Is that the one we latched onto last time? So yeah. much? But there are more of them. Yeah. Right? I found I like uh, that I like this living in danger. Mm. Mm. All right, and uh, let's see. Living on the edge, it feels. But living on the edge, it feels. It makes us feel as one. Yeah, the, the, I mean, the film sort of, sort of, has a word about it. But the Steve's lyric definitely, definitely, yeah, uh, tries to to say that we, you want to break free, mm-hmm. whatever free is from society. You want to get out of. Why would you like to? What what would that even be in in the real world? Yeah, living in a hut, somewhere, deserted on an island, perhaps. Yeah. I, I don't know. It's it's just a weird idea. I don't buy into that no. at all. I just started hearing the Aerosmith song. We're living in a hut. A lot of times, because there's, there's sometimes it comes. It's sort of he he. There's certain. Uh, Songs that sort of fall into the category of what, what Jonathan calls like when he's sort of in, in grandpa grandpa Harris mode, where it's like sort of like mm-hmm. sort of like sort of like turning a bitter eye towards society and what he sort of sings. Yeah. There's a little bit of that here. Yeah. Um, uh, and I mean, Steve on the X Factor is quite dark. He, he wasn't and bleak a about things. He wasn't in a good place. No, I mean, it no. was. I mean, my private life and divorce yeah. and stuff like I mean, that so. last time you were here we discussed uh, this, was, this was in the X Factor but was it, was it when Lightning was it Lightning Strikes Twice yeah and it was like the, he, he claims that's an upbeat song <laughs> it's an upbeat yeah, yeah it's mm. like, I'm positive yeah, yeah. what um, yeah but 
let's see here. So what we got here, I'm trying to find anything. I mean, there's, there's, there's so many. We, usually we don't go, we can sort of, I'm trying to sort of pick certain bits here that I find worth mentioning. A lot of it's very... I mean, the perspective bland. in Steve's lyrics is that someone is has a choice yeah. of leaving society and want mm. to break free and whatever. I mean, in, uh, in the film and the, and, the, and the book, they just end up they on are, a deserted yeah, exactly. They don't choose to end up on a deserted no. island. Mm. Uh, so I don't want existence then. We must prepare ourselves for the elements. I just want to feel like we're strong. We don't need a code of morality. No, yeah. exactly. Mm. Yeah. Why would we need that? Yeah. No. And let's see what else we got here. It's, it's like uh, echoing... Uh, uh, Margaret Thatcher saying that there is no such thing as a society. Yeah. <laughs> and she was bonkers. Yeah, she yeah. was. She was a, yeah. But she invented soft ice cream. <laughs> she did? Yeah. She was part of the. Did you say a chemist? Yeah. Or a, yeah, she was a, yeah. a chemist. Yeah. Or a chemist to me is someone who sells you painkillers. I mean. Yeah. But also, a chemist is also someone who. Who studies. Who works in chemistry. Yeah, in, yeah. Mm. Uh, she was a chemistrist. <laughs> Because I remember when I saw it, like, this is back when I was, uh, I didn't get the joke, because uh, there's, there's a Foley Towers episode where uh, a guy comes to the, to the re reception and asks if there's a chemist nearby, and I think Basil takes it as that, I mean, now I understand, Basil takes it, he's trying to find a, a pharmacy or something where he, so this guy can go buy condoms and stuff like that. Yeah. Have, or, I, I didn't understand why a chemist was something, because I, I assumed he meant someone who did something in chemistry. Yeah. I mean, this is when I saw this. Someone word. with a Bunsen burner. Yeah, like, why is that a problem? <laughs> yeah. But also, why would they have one? Yeah. <laughs> um, mm. Anyway, uh, so so she invented what? She, she invented that? Yeah, that's as I understand it. She was part of a team who worked in cooling down stuff. But I mean, yeah. I ice she, creams must have been around for longer. Ice than... creams, but not muke glass, whatever that ah, is in English. Soft, soft serve ice, ice cream. cream. Soft serve. Mm. Okay, I sit yeah. corrected. But what? But, Mm -hmm. So when did she do that? When <laughs> Bef before we came to know the concept, I guess. When yeah, but, I mean, but <laughs> where, where, where was you slain said, on you're the... holding a phone. I know. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> it's more fun just to speculate. But I guess it was before she was slain on an Armaden cover. Yes, in 1980. Uh, so 79 then, <laughs> possibly. Yeah, possibly. It, I'm assuming that she sort of like she didn't go from politics to ice cream making, did she? Well, no, no, no. It was way before. But I, I guess you must always have been had an evil eye on the world, but but uh, decided to do ice cream. Also, I don't know. Or maybe she she discovered that people was in, started to enjoy life while eating ice cream. So she, I have to balance this. She, yeah, she thought. Well, some, some people some yeah. people are saying it's not true. I'm, I'm going to choose. I'm not going to dabble further because I. No, we can even edit it out. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I mean, I think it's fine. We can just leave it. There's, there's plenty of people. We have plenty of listeners in the UK. Who can probably tell us we're wrong. About this. <laughs> oh. yeah. We're on social media. Yeah. There you yeah. go. Yes. <laughs> um. How to get to Margaret Thatcher? Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. So, all right. Yeah. Um. She was the Iron Maiden. Yeah. That's uh, yeah. But that's the boss, the we, not, we don't need a code of morality. Uh, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah, so the, the, the chorus, which I, 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 I lyric-wise, I do, I think the chorus is pretty good. It kind of sort of fits the, it fits the, sort of the, the, it works as sort of like a, uh, the, the movie, but also just sort of the sentiments of, you know, it's like yeah. some, something within us. Yeah. And it works as a chorus. I mean, and I think that's the weird thing with the song, because the chorus in itself is, I think, a good chorus. Mm -hmm. but yeah, it's, absolutely. It's what happens around it that doesn't really work, because I always felt that the intro... 
when it comes to Janis' guitar in the intro, I always, I, I never really get the key that it's in until yeah. the bass comes in. And then the bass comes in and it starts to play and stuff, yeah. and then it sort of like grows gradually. And when it then launches into, you know, the proper beat and the riff, yeah. it sort of falls flat for me. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't really feel it has the, the promise that the intro gave me. And then that's Lixom's, Lixom. That's, <laughs> and then that's what the song you have. You can edit that out. And then that's what the song is for me because it doesn't really go anywhere really well, it's because it's like there's there's two verses of course and there's there's no I mean, there's, there's there's nothing after after the first chorus you go to a solo yeah sort of, or you go to the intro then a solo mm. and then back then you get a bit of a whoa whoa thing yeah, yeah. and the whoa whoa is sort of building up to yeah now something's gonna happen like in run to the hills or something yeah. but then you get to the chorus that's and then and it's yeah yeah is this the first inst- inst- probably not but because this is uh the whoa whoa has uh a guitar melody behind it so he's singing the guitar melody and nowadays if Bruce is singing something there's probably a guitar melody echoing the same melody uh, if Yannick's written it yes for sure yeah. uh, is this I mean it's the first album that Yannick has that kind of no he has created no, some Fear yeah, of the Dark absolutely. but there's nothing of that kind there is, is it because now that I mean, if you look at like it's all over the place now yeah uh, well I, I think it's a tempo thing for me mainly the, mm. the, the problem with the song with the recorded uh, yeah. studio album. version, studio yeah. version, yeah, because as you say, the the intro, I like the bass lines, uh, the Angus Young guitar solo, stuff, and and I think you're correct when when it sort of kicks in with ba da da, it should have been faster, yeah, more intense, because it's just it's sort of sort of flat lines. I, yeah, in the end, I like the song, but. The prob- if I were a producer, I would say let's speed it up a bit just to get more energy. This, into this it. is the kind of this is the kind of song that would benefit very because you, if you listen to, I recently uh, rewatched uh, the Made in England um, uh, uh, DVD, mm-hmm. and the, some of the songs on that where they kind of they kind of do sort of you know zoom away in tempo a little bit faster than yeah this, this, yeah it's, it's a bit too much yeah, yeah. Perhaps. but for yeah. this this kind of, so this would actually probably benefit a little bit from that. And now a quick word from uh, our friend who is not here, uh, Mr. Jonathan. Yes. Hello, everyone. Jonathan here. I'm going to sit this one out because I'm on the other side of town recording some drums tonight. But I'll give you my quick thoughts on Lord of the Flies right now. So what's interesting about this song? Well, we can start musically. I think it's one of the few times you hear Nico play an actual beat on an open hi-hat, which is not really typically his sound. I mean, he... Opens it, closes it, like, you know, the shower effect sometimes. In fills and, uh, you know, accents on it. But normally, if he plays a beat on the hat, it's predominantly closed hi-hat hits. So in this one, it's a little different. Gives more of, I guess, a 90s rock feel, in a way, to the drums. And, uh, well, the song overall feels a bit like a subdued version of uh, Moonchild, but with a more, you know, anthemic or standard chorus, I guess. It's in F-sharp and written by Gers, I think. May Gers Harris, probably. Don't have the booklet in front of me. And lazy to look it up. But I think Gers Harris. It's in F-sharp and live. Funnily enough, they put it down to E. You know, the thing we always said. They should down-tune for Blaze or whatever. Now they're down-tuning. Well, not down-tuning, but transposing down for Bruce. Uh, but then again, he goes an octave higher on top of that. So 
you know, makes sense, I guess. So live, it's E minor, studio, F sharp minor. And what else can you say about the music? Pretty nice slow solo by Gers. He's good at those slow anthemic ones, you know, they tend to work. Then we have the lyrics. Lyrically, a bit odd. Because, you know, the way Harris has phrased it, for example, we don't need a code of morality. No one without a code of morality thinks like, ah, we sure don't need a code of morality. It doesn't work like that. It's more like what he noticed while watching the film or reading the book. I'm guessing watching the film, Divorce Period and all that. So it's a bit strange the way it's written. It's almost like it doesn't really picture, it doesn't really describe the story of the book or the film. It describes the story of what was going on in Steve's head as he was watching the film. And of course, he's back at his habit of listing things in a way, you know. All in all, is this going to be on the infamous Maiden A to Z list? Well, I'll let Eric, Matthias, and Henrik decide upon that. All right, over and out. See you soon. So, uh, we're back after hearing from Jonathan. Uh, and we are, just like last time we were here, treated to another sunset. Yeah. yeah. Allegedly, you, I don't remember this, but you, you said you described the sunset. Yeah, I think I described it, how it went down over the freeway. and uh, Over there. The sunset went down over the freeway. Yeah, the sunset went down. <laughs> I'm down with the sunset. You know? Yeah. <laughs> there we go. Very good. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, for those at home that you obviously just heard from, from Jonathan, who had a few uh, interesting points. Um, yeah, the thing about the hi-hats and yes. the drums is very correct, and I think I have sort of noticed it, but haven't really paid attention enough to bring it up. But it's a, it's a very good point. Yeah, I think, I think that now that I hear it, I think that's also one of the things that probably we did mention last time, or you mentioned yeah. last time, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, that is very interesting. Mm. Yeah, listening to Jonathan now, it reminds me that he's quite good at this. He is. He is. I think he's good. At, he's good at steering the ship, um, in a in, in the direction it needs to go. Sometimes, whereas yeah. I'm, some well, well, I, I have other. I, 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 As you demonstrated, <laughs> yes, I'm good at other things. Uh, <laughs> I have a nice personality. <laughs> anyway, um, and now back to the music. Yes. Yep. Uh, he did. There's something he did mention, which I very much agree with. Uh, Mr. Gers did a, a, a solo in this. It's a slower one. Yeah. He does those way better than his fast ones. Yeah. I really enjoy his slow solos. We, we uh, one of our uh, one of my favorites is uh, is the one in Blood Brothers, and you wouldn't you didn't yeah. necessarily first time I heard it, I wouldn't assume you don't assume it's him because it doesn't sound it's way too. Well, yeah. I, I say the the way he bends. Yeah, the bends. <laughs> yeah, is very Janik. Mm. Uh, and it's a few of those in this solo too. Yeah, uh, and I really enjoy that. I yeah. really think he's he's uh, much more enjoyable when he's um, is forced into being the phrasing sort of yeah. player. Yeah, I mean here it's because uh, it, there's a few instances of this, but like that. But he a lot of times when he does his just you know the thing he off more often than not does the very fast stuff. It, it sounds very. I don't want to use the word sloppy, but that's the closest thing I can. It's not sloppy. I mean, sloppy is the wrong word. It's it's, but it's compared to the other two guys, you can tell. I mean, just it's it's, uh, or if you compare, it's um, I don't know. It's it, it's there's something. 
this is the one thing he can do. Like all, all three of them have very, you know, various strengths. I think mm-hmm. his strength lies in doing this kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. We should do more of that. Yeah, but mm-hmm. he, he doesn't. No, he throws, <laughs> he throws <laughs> towers up and down, and, and well, that's I, fun too, I guess. And like we established in the the, the previous episode where I came out as a Adrian fanboy. I think when Adrian is phrasing and he is a phrasing guy, mm-hmm. I mean, it's easy to to sort of hear that when you're writing a song in this in the studio. Yeah. And, and I guess Steve or, or the guitar players themselves, of course, can sort of go, ah, this sounds like an Adrian thing mm-hmm. where he can just do his phrases. But I think as a producer, it w- would be much more interesting if they said, let's not go that way. Yeah. Mm. Let's change it up. Let's have Adrian to do the the speed guitar the thing, yeah. the shredding, and have Janik to just calm it down yeah. and mm. just be the phrasing guy, because they're really good at it too. So I mean, yeah. it's not like there would be a total train wreck if, if they listen, did. If you mm. listen to like one of my favorite Adrian solos is uh, in uh, uh, is it King Crimson on um, Bruce's uh, Chemical Wedding solo? Mm-hmm. He does the first solo, I think. And that's a what, or there's, there's, it's him and Roy, obviously they they yeah. trade off, and both of them are a little bit more have a bit of shred in them, a little kind of mm-hmm. that, that's, that's, he does he does it very well. Mm. Um, uh, but yes, um, be, I think it's it's uh, I wish I wish it do more like this, this kind of stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and it's kind of funny since it's his own song. So I mean, while composing the music, I, I think he would. Envision himself doing this kind of solo, yeah. as he said. I I'll pick the solo in my own song, and he chooses to to do a solo like this. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it's not like it's not in him. So why does he so often end up doing the totally sparking energy kind of all over the place guitar playing? I don't know. I mean, there's, there's even stuff like um, where he does sort of like for me that sounds kind of like a sort of best of both worlds. Like, like a solo I really enjoy is the Tattooed Millionaire solo. And that's him, obviously. And that's sort of fast and whatnot, but it's still very... It's very melodic. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and it's got the thing as well. Yeah. As well. Mm. So he sort of gets a bit of the both... You know, I remember Bruce mentioning that he thought that some of Yannick's best guitar playing was on Tattoo Millionaire. Yeah. And, and on Son of a Gun. Son of a Gun is a really good example. Yeah, it's really good. We should and do- I, and, I mean, we're not talking about that song, but oh, I mean, yeah. the way that solo begins and it's almost when you listen to it that bruce is is singing yeah and where where does the the vocal and the, the guitar meet it's like yeah. Yeah. yeah it's really good it's yeah. so neat mm-hmm. it's interesting because if you look back at i guess those days with bruce's band like there's on, on his uh on the anthology dvd there's a show where you know he where yannick is the the, the lone guitar player in the yeah band. yeah and it's interesting because that, that um how different he sort of functions there, what he does there compared to what he does nowadays. Mm. Whereas, you know, one out of three. Um, and it's just interesting, it's because I, th- I, th- I think that, I think that um, there probably are people, uh, even in the, in, the, in the Facebook group, our, our group, who probably do tend to maybe shed on him a bit, a bit, under, a bit too much, I feel. Mm. Uh, he obviously knows what he's doing here, he wouldn't be in the band. But I think, um, if we go, I mean, it's the Dive Dive Live video you're referring to, and I think that, what he's playing there, he's sort of doing the same thing with Maiden now because he can do that because yeah. all the other the other two guys are covering not covering up as if he's making no. it, he's not doing no, bad no, stuff, no. but it's he has the room to do that. And whereas where he saw the Bruce gig, he's it's a lot more like a pub band and they're sort mm-hmm. of like going 
sparking on the energy that yeah. in the room or whatever. And yeah. that's a fun. That's a fun DVD. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, the DVD to me it's always been a VHS Plus tape. A VHS. But yeah, yeah, it's a VHS. Yeah. <laughs> Mm-hmm. You young people. Oh, it's not, yeah. They're not often called that in this house. I can tell you that. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's um of the three, because on, on that particular well, oh, okay. When I saw them, it was uh, was on the uh, the anthology uh, DVD. Hmm. At least that's when I saw the entire the entire concert. Yeah, and uh, I think that. Uh, I mean, obviously, I think of the three shows that are on there, the Skunk Works one is the most fun one of those. I think it is inter- yeah. interesting because it's. It, I like the Skunkworks album so much. Yeah. But then I, I am a bit. I don't know. I made a hand gesture that can't really. It be sort of. Heard, it sort of means sort of a consequence if you Yeah. Yeah. Uh, when it comes to the, to some of the live bit stuff, because it's, it's so intuitive and in the moment that yeah. sometimes, things from the songs got lost. I feel. Yeah, and I'm, and in the, the studio album, I mean, even it, both parts of Picasso, but in, especially with the, the Skunkworks album, where mm-hmm. the same band played. I mean, they had layered guitars and everything going on, and then mm-hmm. live, Alex Dixon had to choose to do something. And yeah, it's always difficult. To, I mean, something's going mi- to go amiss whatever he chose. So yeah. I, I do feel he did do a pretty good job. Um, He's a fantastic guitar player. Yeah, he, yeah. yeah, it's it's really good. I, I feel he gets. Uh, I mean, I think I think maybe he in certain. Circles, he definitely gets his, his proper dues, but I think a lot of people, when they think of Bruce's solo, obviously, I think Roy Z is the one they think of, and they don't, I don't think and the other one. Roy Z is another fantastic oh, guitar player, yeah. so also, yeah. But also, both those guys, I think, I feel are, are do not get the credit they deserve outside of No, I, I, I agree, yeah. Perhaps not. I, I mean, as a, as a listener and a big fan of much of Bruce's mm. uh, solo material, it, I always. And I mean, even Adrian in uh, Bruce's band, yeah. Bruce's band mm. is fantastic. Oh yeah, mm. and it's also interesting to note the how uh, Roy C and Adrian sort of adapts to one one another. Yeah, uh, and that's I mean that's uh, that's prose. Well, it sounds like they sound like I mean, even though they hadn't been playing together if you look that long, I guess relatively speaking, because if you it's interesting how a lot of the solo. Uh, a lot of stuff took place in a in very short amount of time, relatively mm. speaking. Yeah. But they do sound like uh, um, like a proper guitar team rather than yeah. two mm. groups thrown together. I had the fortune to, to interview Roy C. back then. And uh, as far as I remember, it's online so you can read for yourself. Yeah. But as I remember, he said something like he... He adapt, Roy adapted him to what Adrian was doing. Yeah. yeah. So, and Adrian often went for the phrasing sort of guitar playing. Mm. So I, th- I think the quote is that he was the young speed gun guitar player or something yeah. like mm. that. Uh, and uh, but I mean, it works. Yeah. And, it a- works. and Adrian uh, was very influenced by I mean Rod's production ideas and the D drop tuning down yeah, came yeah, from yeah. Rosie and. I think guitar sounds in general, yeah. because Adrian is very interested in guitar in that way. I, yeah. I guess so. And he's a, he's a learning guy who yeah. is always taking impressions and picking up stuff all, all the mm. time. You think? And getting back to the Skunkworks lineup, yeah. uh, for and talking about Alex Dixon, yeah. who is also extremely talented. Yeah. And I mean that's the kind of guitar player who who can. 
do everything from Ingram Mount Stan to whatever because mm. he has the chops. But it's interesting to hear what he chooses to play and not to play. Yeah, yeah, because he's so good. Didn't he have a stint with uh, Robbie Williams or something? He did. Yeah, he did. Yeah. He did after after Bruce's band, mm. I guess. And it was backing Emma Bunton from Spice Girls for yeah. a while too. Mm. <laughs> now I wonder, like, it seems like. Um, I mean, I guess I'm gonna try to I'm gonna try to figure out how to segue back to Yak. <laughs> but uh, so it's it's fun talking about that. We'll get to that at some point, uh, properly. Um, there's a lot to talk about in those. In those uh, when, when we interviewed Bruce, I'm looking at Hen- Henrik now. Mm-hmm. He said Janik like on the recording. We we're talking. Maybe you can edit this out. But yeah. it, it was going Janik, 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 Janik is Janik is the sort of. And, but what did he say in the end? Exactly, yeah. What kind of that? Con- yeah. that he's kind of conservative. He's conservative, but... Janik, Janik. Yeah. <laughs> it was something about Janik also being a huge Richie Blackmore fan and doing that kind of yeah. adaptation of things. Yeah. And Richie Blackmore rarely played the riff of a song more than once. Hmm. Yeah. Also, it was Richie, didn't Richie, he used to do a... Back in the day, a white Stratocaster too. Is that what I think so at least? Or is that where he got that from? Because he has this very. Or he's a Strat- was he a Stratocaster guy? Or I'm just making that up. Richie. R- Richie no, Blackmore. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, oh, he, yeah. he had he had uh, the halva acoustic. Uh, Semi acoustic. Yeah. Semi acoustic. Semi the half. body. No, so that. Hollow body. Yeah. Hollow body. Yeah. He, he, I mean, Richie Blackmore had the hollow. You have to edit this now. Uh, Richie Blackmore. Do I do it now. <laughs> do it now. <laughs> do, it, do it now. <laughs> yeah, do it now. I'll be back. We say halva kurs, but it's not hollow well, body. Did you mean essentially electric guitar? That Gibson. Uh, yeah, that is, oh. that is a hollow body. Yeah, hollow body, okay. yeah because that's, that's what I meant, that Richard Blackmore had a Gibson 335. I th- I've seen him play. Yeah. In, Doing in their deeper. thing, Hollande. Yeah. But now he does his uh, his medieval music stuff. So. Mm. <laughs> yeah, but I, I don't know if it's with a hurdy gurdy or whatever. But or a, yeah, or just puffy shirts and a, a lute. Yeah. Mm. Anyway, uh, <laughs> I don't know why we went here. No, and... I, I was curious about the guitars. That was it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he uh, now how much? I'm I'm not I'm not that uh, well versed in Mister Blackmore stuff. I mean, I've heard I've heard I've heard a lot of this stuff, but I I, I couldn't necessarily. Um, pinpoint any of his particular things he, he does in solos um, but do you feel that Yannick has taken in, in, in Yannick's bag of tricks is there a lot from Mr. Blackmore in there as well yeah I would yeah. say so yeah it is and I guess it might be weirdly in some kind of weird mm-hmm. way a reason why Ian Gillen was, was interested in Yannick no. and mm-hmm. asked him to join his band yeah. in, in 1981 yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I, not necessarily because he loved Richie Blackmore, because they were didn't famously go on at all. But I mean, it get on at all. But yeah. uh, because maybe it was a kind of style he recognized. I don't know. Mm. And I'm uh, I'm pretty sure that Yannick had a bit of criticism even back then when he joined the Gillen Band that yeah. he was just a. A Blackmore clone, yeah, yeah. copying his style and so on. And I know that uh, Ian Gillen sort of defended him. Mm. That that's not fair. Yeah, yeah. I mean, even Blackmore sort of uh, went full on Jeff Beck 
yeah. early in his career yeah. copying his moves and his style yeah, yeah. and his sound. So he thought it was a bit unfair to say that Janik was just a, a copyist. Mm. I think I think that's probably also very why well, it's probably very smart that when when Adrian did leave the band initially that they got him who was very different. And yeah, yeah. No one, no one could, no one could say he was trying to copy him. No, He's exactly. Not, not by yeah, they do not, they do not sound the same at all. Mm. Um. Talking about that, it's a it's a bit funny that Maiden when they exchange musicians over yeah. the years, most of the time, isn't like they always pick a part on Blaze mm. or no, not really, but they pick someone they sort of know. Yeah. Someone yeah. they have socially tested and yeah, yeah. socialized with before, or there is some sort of connection. Janik had been in Bruce's band. They know, of course, they knew, knew Adrian before he went mm. into the band. Uh, they have heard about Dennis. He was from the, the local scene in London back then. Uh, but maybe Clive was, was a little bit, a bit from, out yeah. of. Mm. Well, they, yeah. probably, they probably want to know that bit works is that if they know the person can play and they. they, they because a lot of people can play. Yeah, they probably mm. knew have someone who who will work. And Nico too, of course. He he was yeah. within the the circle of friends. Because you're going to be spending quite a bit of time with this person. Yeah, so yeah. That's probably yeah. Part of it. So that's probably pretty smart. Yeah. Mm. Um, and also, it saves a lot of hassle, bit having to audition tons of unknown yeah. people or to make arrangements for all these auditions. Yeah, of course. Yeah. I mean, I guess I guess the uh, the exception, yeah, as you said, the exception being Blaze there, I guess. Um, yeah, but then again, I mean, they, they, toured, with, they toured with Wolfsbane, Wolfsbane they yeah. knew him, so I yeah. think it's, I think that's why he got it, and perhaps Doogie White didn't, because... Yeah, maybe so. Yeah. Maybe so. What do you think would have happened if he got it instead? It would have been a couple of albums in the 90s that no one would have paid attention to, but they would have sounded differently, and then Bruce would have come back. Yeah. That's what I think. He would come back anyways? I think so, because I don't yeah. think, I think, I don't think that what happened with Maiden, or let's say the albums mm. X Factor and Virtual Eleven, what happened to them in the 90s is nothing to do with who played on them. It's no. it's where music went and where people's interest went. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But may, maybe hmm, these are all rumors, of course. Yeah. But mm. it's been told that a few of the guys in the band sort of got. A bit fed up with Blaze and his uh, limitations as yeah. a vocalist, uh, and said that this is not working. It's either me or, or him, him. Yeah. something like that. Mm. Not naming any names, but I mean, and maybe if Doogie White, who is a pro top singer, mm. and as far as I know, a, a top bloke as well. Yeah. Maybe they wouldn't have gotten to that point where they would have said, "Okay, he's not delivering. This is we have to change things up. It's not yeah. working now." Yeah, I mean, it probably. I mean, um, and knowing Steve, maybe he would have said that I'm not. This is my guy now. I won't change him because, as far as we've been told, or the rumors say, Steve was the guy that was the least interested in the end to to sack Blaze. Yeah, and it was. A few of the other guys who said that Steve, this doesn't work. Mm. I think it's also. I mean, it, it is. I mean, I guess we we discussed this many times on this pod, but I think a lot of a lot of it was what didn't work was there. I mean, they hired him to do stuff he can't he can't do. Yeah, and that's not his fault. 
No, and if you listen to him, I mean, he could. I think if they just did, you know, tweak some stuff, it could have worked a little better. Mm. They, yeah. I mean, they could have made a fantastic set list with songs that worked for, his, worked for him, his voice. But they shouldn't have insisted on doing the staples that they did with Bruce because no, it no. just didn't work. But I do think that um, if Bruce had remained in the band, we've said that I, I think maybe, and they'd gone through, there, there, there was no way to get out of the 90s unscathed at all because no, I, I, it I wasn't really working so. for anyone no, except no. for people who did, I mean, I think Metallica had, a, okay, oh, had an okay time. In the if you ask Metallica fans, they think the Load albums are crap. So I don't know. Well, I'm talking about, well, yeah, that's true. Yeah. But I mean, it depends which ones you ask, I guess. Yeah. But, yeah. but I mean, I'm, I'm saying that they were still doing all right. Uh, you know, they were yeah, still they were still selling out arena yeah. or stadiums and stuff. So And, you know, like from the Black Album and onwards, they were, you know, at least during that tour, they were, you know, they were, they were huge. Yeah. Um, but there's probably, there's if they just stayed together, I don't know. I, maybe we wouldn't have what we have now because, you know, they... Or maybe they wouldn't be around anymore. They just eventually they went through that. It's a very weird what if. I don't know. Yeah. But I've been thinking a lot about what what is it that I don't really like with the Blaze albums. Is it Blaze? Mm, not really. I mean, the, the, the huge problem for me is the songwriting, basically. Yeah. Mm. And I think even if... I mean, of course, I think Bruce is a better singer yeah. than Blaze. But... What went missing was that first Adrian went. Yeah. And even though I really enjoy uh, No Prayer for the Dying, and even Adrian's contribution is really not up to par no, with no. his regular songwriting standards, by his songwriting mm. standards, I think that there was something missing when Adrian was out of the band. And Bruce too, of course. Yeah. Blaze is, a, is an okay songwriter, but Bruce is a bit better. He's 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 more elite when it comes to song melodies and mm. uh, and uh, lyric writing oh. also. So I think at the end of the day, what sort of brings down the X Factor and Virtual Eleven for me personally mm. is just that the songwriting isn't really quite there. Yeah, but yeah. then that that happened already on Fear of the Dark. Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, I think it's a matter of, just as you say, when everything we learn about the number of the beast and the recording, they were fighting and arguing and doing, mm. trying to, and they were ag aggressive and hungry when they recorded the album. And they should need some of that stuff to do things. I mean, I think they were hungry when they reformed for mm. Brave New World. Yeah. But yeah. it didn't really happen on those albums. And it sort of, shows because yeah. no one tells the other guy to hey cut a section from that song yeah. or let's make this a bit and, more sharp. And I mean maybe talking about the hunger yeah I think Blaze probably had a bit of hunger mm. but maybe he was a bit too respectful well I think to, I think to the was. legacy and to if Steve said something it was like okay because he always always he often talks about at least mm. he often talks about uh, how much he learned from Steve and songwriting yeah. and how to think about yeah. music and whatnot, and I mean, but again, when it when it comes down, the songwriting just isn't there. No. Steve's songs are, and I mean, Steve was in a in, in a bad place, yeah. And the songs are kind of morose, yeah. 
and the production of the X factor, even though I think the production is more coherent, 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 mm. coherent than the virtual 11, where guitar sounds are all over the place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. At least uh, X, X factor is more streamlined and sounds better. Mm. The guitars are. There's no aggression nor no spark in the mm. guitar sound. So okay. I mean the, there's a bit of a problem. There's there's many multiple problems. there's many problems. Mm. <laughs> multiple yes, problems. Yeah, they were they were definitely uh... And I mean I don't I don't go out and I don't listen to a maiden record to and don't want to like it. No, that's a thing. That's that's of course. Mm. Uh so I have I have given these those two albums quite a lot of time, and I've given this a lot of thought too. Yeah. But I mean, I, I think at the end of the day, it's, it's mainly the songwriting that is. And again, I would say that I think Janik, and with this song "Lord of the Flies," huh? uh, proves that he's he's a good songwriter. He's done a few of my favorite. Uh, reunion so-called mm. songs like the talisman or oh, montsegur and yeah. stuff like that so it's not like it's janik's fault no no not at all uh, I, I feel that i mean for me there are moments on these two albums that they do sort of reach levels of you know like like, like some of the, some of the songs like a couple of these that are among my favorites mm. uh but i, I think that I, I i said there's there's production problems everything mm. sounds very um Especially if you're doing a, a you know the, uh, what's supposed to be a sort of comeback kind of album because a new singer you want it to have a bit more weight than this has. This is not yeah, heavy. Yeah. You know, even even stuff like um, there's, there's, there there are songs that should sound really heavy that don't sound heavy because no. if you hear the Doom live they sound a lot better. Mm. Um, and I think that um, if he were in the band now, Blaze were in the band now, he'd probably have more. I think there's a lot of times he should have probably said, "Well, this isn't going to work. Let's do this instead." Because he he know he'll know it works for him, mm. and he, he could suggest it. a key change, yeah, something yeah. like that. He wouldn't do yeah. that obviously if you're like the new. He's probably shaking in his boots the whole time he's doing that. And yeah, I, and but I do think that if Adrian had stayed in the band, we would have gotten some songs that I think Adrian definitely could write stuff that probably would work better for Blaze than than I think he had yeah probably yeah. so yeah mm. uh, like if you listen to the stuff that he did with. Um, like the Psycho Mattel stuff, and mm. kind of, he has things in there I think would work with him very well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. And I think it's, uh, yeah, I think that. Um, I mean, one of Blaze's strengths as a singer is that he, he's a, uh, what would you use for word, like a like a storyteller. Yeah, yeah. He, 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 I mean, when he sings something, he, yeah, but he has the it's, it's dramatic like, voice. Yeah, he, I mean, it's like he invests in the in oh, the yeah, lyric yeah, and yeah. the deliverance. So again, it's not really Blaze's fault. No, no. Not More than not being an as good as a songwriter as as it, Bruce. It's also sort of like it's, there's there's a, a comparison I can draw to. Um, uh, so they're they're releasing and there's a new Adams Family television series coming out in, uh, in like a, I don't know why I said television series it's not like a thousand years old. A, a shows on Netflix um, coming out in a, in a couple months with a new with um, I don't remember the guy's name who's playing the lead role in it. But it's obviously not the guy from the '90s, Raul Julia, because he died in the ni- like like '93. You get people like, oh, he's, you know, he's not going to be as good as that guy, or he's not Raul Julia. Like, yeah, he's not. But I feel like neither here nor there because he he can't do it. He's dead. <laughs> so you know, but but in the same, th- so you see people like on maiden forums or whenever someone in, in like there's I think one of the most 
toxic groups on Facebook is the I think it's like Iron Maiden nerd Sweden. There's so much arguing going on. There. It's such a weird group. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and people like like you know people write a put a post of Blaze thing and someone will inevitably comment how he's you know how he sucks. He's not as good as Bruce. Like, oh, you mean he's, yeah? So he's not as good as your fucking favorite singer of all time? Yeah, of course he's not. <laughs> mm. Exactly. What were you expecting? That's always That's not silly. Case. Yeah. Why would he be? How how could he be better than yeah. that? Yeah. Uh, he's also given, essentially, you know, there, there's almost no way he could have. He was given as close to as, as, as an, to an impossible task as I've ever heard to sort of come in there in that situation yeah. during that era during that era of music. I would have been terrified to be Blaze. I mean, even if I knew I had the ability to deliver my instrument in a good way, yeah. I would have been terrified mm. to be in Iron Maiden and. The legacy and all that, yeah, because yeah. I, mean, I think people wrongfully kind of feel that you know he came in there and that's when stuff went south. But look at like Fear of the Dark. I mean, you know, I know people. Fear of the Dark is possibly their worst album. I yeah, mean, I'm saying that, and I don't like what they did for the last twenty years. Yeah, yeah. So, but I just mean the fact that the, you know that that you know you even even through goggles of nostalgia, Fear of the Dark, they they didn't they weren't you know flying high that either. It was not they're not at the top of their game there either. Not at all. So whatever happened next. Would probably would not would not work. Whoever was involved. No, I don't know. Oh. Now, uh, now you have a bunch of notes. I have a bunch of notes. Yeah, yeah. I have you gone through them? <laughs> I think we've covered most of them. Yeah. Mm. That's cool. It's um, it's, it's an interesting. I mean, it's it's a interesting era. To yeah. Discuss. It is, and it's a lot, and it's a lot more interesting to talk about it than it was experiencing it, in my view, because. Yeah. I was sort of there, having stopped listening to metal, and but still felt I had this affinity to Iron Maiden, and I had to like them yeah. and invest in them, and I, it didn't work for me. And I guess it's as much to do with that the songwriting or production didn't work, but also that my heart was in Dream Theater or whatever I was yeah. on at that time. So mm. it's really strange. It's but I'm so happy that Bruce had his solo thing going because I, I totally felt that. I, th I thought it was fantastic. Yeah, I mean, it's... Yeah, it's, um... yeah absolutely, yeah. Mm. And I mean, coming listening to his first solo album, which I thought was okay, mm. but when Balls to Picasso came out, it was like, yeah. wow! Yeah. yeah. Wow! Now we're talking. Mm. This is something different. I mean, I, I obviously, I sort of heard all this quite a bit you know, later. Mm. Um, but... Yeah, there's a, there's there's a sort of a fire there that is not present. Yeah, and again, that's 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 not anyone any one person's fault. It's just a, it was a bad situation. Yeah, mm. um, I think it's it's easy it's easy to uh, for people to look back now and sh shit on the whole album or sit on one person very without you know because you're not you know metal is huge these days it has been for quite a while it's, you know it's mm. in, you get you know and they're filling your arena after arena after arena it's hard to imagine especially as maybe somewhat younger person that that wasn't the case no <laughs> you know. yeah but it's it's still interesting the people who go to see iron maiden at huge stadiums today 50,000 people stadiums yeah. they still believe that maiden were at their peak in 1984 <laughs> which is weird because they didn't sell out Hovet in stockholm i mean no. It's, no, no, it's no. so strange. It's interesting, yeah. sort of, when you sort of, well, there's, it's sort of. Um, I, I mean, creatively at their peak, yes, yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah. But, that's, that's, but that's a different thing. That's also that's also the reason. Like, there's been there's bands that I, that I very much uh, like, and sort of, I will. Uh, I, love, I love that noise. Let's listen. You can do it. Well, that made a lot more noise. I thought I was. I was gonna, I, yeah. 
Wow. Delightful. Uh, Mattias just got a flat tire. Yeah. <laughs> got a flat tire. Um, Pyspunka. Pyspunka, yeah. <laughs> as I say. Pyspunka. In Riksengelsk. Det har jag alltid tänkt på. Det är så här stor Stockholm och sen man Greater London så är man kämpe Oslo också. Kämpe <laughs> Oslo. I'm going to leave that in and no, people, like, no one's going to get it. No. Um, <laughs> uh, no, but there's a bit like there's a, there was a um, uh, there's some bands that I uh, like for instance I, uh, okay, so the, the one I'm thinking of specifically is the Free Kitchen which is a Swedish band uh, who I started listening to when I was about maybe like 19 and they were huge for me and I learned I met them all in the, in the I uh, fortunate to call at least a couple of them uh, I call them so you know maybe not friends at least acquaintances uh, and but for me they were always huge they were these they, they were this big band and for me they were, mm. they were a big deal and so when I recently earned something like in later years kind of figured out yeah they don't really live they're not even big enough to live off their music all the time they have to do other stuff as well yeah and that's very weird that's and so people who see Maiden well you know they they assume that they were they were as big as they are now back then mm. but they weren't no I mean I'm sure no they didn't have to have day jobs but they weren't selling out you know the the tickets no that, that's the way I think I think that people probably um, either, they, either they you know weren't around then or they just don't have selective memory don't remember what what sort of a state heavy music was in during that era mm-hmm. uh, and how no one was doing doing that <laughs> we're, we're great. Um, so you know no. there's always been this sort of debate or should I say, kind of truth that mm. grunge killed metal in the 90s. Yeah. But uh, I, I, I sort of say, no, that's not really true. Exactly. I think grunge came on as the next main, mainstream popular music. Yeah, it yeah. killed whatever it was that went on before them. Yeah. In Excess, Kylie Minogue, whatever it was. Yeah. Uh, the mainstream music. Yeah. I mean, because metal has always been there and doing yeah. it stuff, really. So, yeah. and I mean, Metallica went bigger than ever mm. at the same time. Exactly. Yeah. Guns N' Roses, if you call them metal, I don't know, but they are hard rock, hard heavy rock. rock. Yeah. So, and they were huge. Yeah, there's a there's a book I um, I've uh, recently uh, I, I I read it back when it first came out. I think it must have been that must have been 2003 or something. It's called. Uh, uh, Hellbent for Leather it's an autobiography of a guy called Seb Hunter who's a British guy who essentially about him growing up as a sort of a, a metal kid in England at that mm-hmm. point and, and this sort of the, the book kind of leads up to um, that area of, era of grunge and whatnot and he sort of it very much mentions the idea of you know essentially Kurt Cobain killing metal and whatnot but he sort of leaves out the fact that you know there are bands like Metallica who are yeah. you know, who are bigger than ever mm. but I think people are are, are happy to leave that out because they want the idea of grunge killing metal to be true yeah and i mean some of the heaviest bands i know are grunge bands and i mean i think it's to me it's just as relevant and it's just as it's interesting because you put you put like um this label on it and then it becomes something completely different if you listen to some of the fathers and chains we're doing Mm -hmm. i mean yeah i mean or soundgarden Soundgarden. yeah It's, it's not not i mean you could you could you know, in, unless there was that label of it being completely different, mm. you, you wouldn't necessarily knock. They could play it in a metal festival; wouldn't be any problems with that. Not at all. And they did, obviously, quite a bit. Yeah, they did. But 
and also interesting how like because um, you have the label of grunge and you have I guess uh, so Screaming Trees uh, Nirvana Pearl Jam Soundgarden mm-hmm. Chains is a big one they don't none of them really sound like each other no <laughs> not they're at all. all very very different mm-hmm. and I think maybe it's Kind of true that it killed hair metal. Oh yeah, the yeah. so-called, which is fine. <laughs> yeah. I can live yeah, with that. Yeah, but I mean that's the that was the the sort of like the main the Muppet Crew, the mainstream. Yeah. Poison weren't relevant. I mean, if they ever were, they yeah. weren't relevant then. So, no. yeah. and and uh, getting back to Maiden in yeah. the '90s. I mean, when uh, in '92, uh, Maiden played at Globen here yeah. in Stockholm, which is. Uh, at, the, at that time, the biggest venue. They mm. didn't sell it out, though. No. But, I mean, it was a, quite a few thousand watching that show. Mm. And they came back in 93 and played Scandinavium in mm. Gothenburg and mm. sold that out. Yeah. And they then they did, like, two low-key gigs for the X Factor uh, at uh, Circus, Circus and Kåren in Gothenburg. And, and they were small gigs. Yeah. And they sold out really quick. Yeah. yeah. But it was sort of a decision by the, the promoter here, uh, Emma, uh, that they, no, we'll, we'll, we'll make these two kind of special gigs at these small, yeah. smaller places. But I mean, even with Blaze still in the band, they sold out Hovet, yeah. which again was the same venue they played and didn't sell out in the 1980s. Yeah, yeah. that's that's very so easy. Yes, but they mm. sold it out during in the, 98 during with the Blaze as a vocalist. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, bad. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, their first sellout gig in Stockholm. Yeah, apart from Circus, then. But I mean, yeah, so, of so 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 you know back so during the period where, um, uh, where, where things were supposedly going very bad, they yeah. they, they they accomplished something they didn't accomplish in the quote unquote heyday. Mm. And shoot me if you want to, but I mean. Maybe it wasn't that Judas Priest put out their greatest material in the 90s. Yeah. Mm. I don't think that Maiden put out their greatest material in the 90s. No. Mm. Um, Richie Blackmore left the Purple uh, in 93, I think. Yeah. Uh, Black Sabbath. Well, they did what they do. When they don't have anything happening, they bring in Tony Martin. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so, I mean, it was... Uh, uh, apart from Metallica, yeah. a few of these old great ones yeah. didn't have their best material out in yeah. the 90s. Yeah. Dave Lombardo lost, uh, left Slayer. Yeah. <laughs> I think Jonathan would say that Megadeth did have a, a bit of uh, fame and fortune. Yeah, in for the 90s with Megadeth. Yeah, they, got, they yeah. had a few ones there. That's good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's good. But it's. It, it, um, yeah, there's, there's definitely a lot to be said about this. The nineties, yeah, nineties. So perhaps we should do a. When Jonathan is uh, back, we should do a deep dive yeah. into just this. The, yeah. When you get to Iron Maiden zero to hundred, yes, you can do nineties. <laughs> yeah. So, so we started. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> we go through each year. Yeah. yeah. By from year zero. From year yeah, zero. zero yeah. yeah. So that's going to be a lot of episodes. <laughs> yeah. Well, and no, actually, you have to start with three three four BC. Oh, that's right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's deep, man. That's cool. It's that's deep. Really yeah. Well, that could be. Yeah, no, in yeah. a time when dinosaurs walked the earth. Yes, that's, yeah, that's, one. that's as far as back yeah. as we have to go. Mm. Yeah, that'd be, that's a... I, I think that um, uh, talking about grunge bands, mm. I know for a fact that uh, uh, Mike McCready in in Pearl Jam, in one of the uh, uh, magazines I bought in the nineties, because I'm a bit of a Pearl Jam fan. Mm. 
he said that Dave Murray was one of his favorite guitar players and that uh, Killers was one of his favorite mm. albums. And uh, so, I mean, I, I don't think that Mike McCready played in Pearl Jam to kill Iron Maiden. No, no, no. <laughs> That's just a silly notion. Also, I'm going to see if I can find it so I can edit it in because when uh, during the um, so in, in 2000 when Maiden were here played at Stockholm at mm-hmm. Stadion and Pearl Jam played next the next day. Yeah, yeah. Maiden was supposed to play at Sjöstolska yeah. too but uh, they sold out so quickly that EMA yeah. decided to move the, yeah. the, the gig to yeah. the Stadion. Allegedly, or not allegedly, uh, some, some guys from Maiden were at the Pearl Jam game. Yeah, yeah they were. Nico, Janik, Dave? I don't know because I, think, I wasn't there. I, I, have, think those, I have the ticket untouched, but I wasn't there. Yeah, I think those three. And I know that Eddie Wedder said that. Yeah, there's two, there's two Maiden is uh, leaving uh, May, or something. Say goodbye, Maiden, or yeah. something, he said. And then he said, <laughs> then he said there's, there's two Eddies in town this week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that's kind of fun. Um, yeah. yeah. All right, so just uh, to get back to so bookend this thing, uh, would this go on the infamous list? It's interesting because I was almost saying yes yeah. because uh, because of the circumstances the song is sprung up from. Yeah. But if the list is going to be as objective as I myself can be in my mm-hmm. own subjectiveness, no. I'm going to see. I'm, cur- I'm <laughs> no. curious on it because I wonder if maybe we... Because as I mentioned before, we have done this. We, we did record an episode with this one... Um, uh, a few months ago. Yes. So I wonder if we actually maybe put it in there at that point. Uh, I mean, you could have by by a well, majority vote. If even if I said no, I don't know. We did that apparently. Yeah. Mm. I really like this song. I think then it's in yeah. There. Yeah. So I say uh, yeah. that as of now, I think it's on the top fifty list. Yeah, I'll say just it. for just mm. because it's it's a good song. I really like it. Yeah. It is. It is. I, actually, I, did, I discovered one thing in my notes yeah. here. There's, I have this fun fact down here. Do you want to hear the fun fact? I want to hear the fun fact. The title translates translates in Hebrew to Belzebub. Oh. So the Lord of the Flies oh. apparently means... That guy. Belzebub. Fan Quell. Fan Oh. But that just... How fun was that fact? That was fun. Yeah. <laughs> that, that was really fun. Really fun. <laughs> Uh, I just realized when it, since we did attempt this song or we did record half halfly this thing. So this is the second episode me and Matthias is on at the same time because the yeah. covers episode went out last last yeah, Friday. Yeah, yeah. So this is yeah. going to come out uh, uh, on, on because Friday. at that one I think we actually described why we were made in France, how we met and did stuff. So it's really interesting that <laughs> that hasn't really happened. We are all we are all of a sudden in the same episode last uh-huh. week. Last week, yeah. Uh-huh. It's not it's not interesting anyway. So I don't know. <laughs> is that a fun wait, fact? Wait, wait, wait. Yeah. <laughs> I will. Um, yeah. Fine. Good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, no. But it's just a just a reflection. All right. So uh, I don't. This it's interesting because I think in this way initially when we did this, this was not meant to be a sort of a solo song. I'll just a single song uh, episode. But I think definitely that's got that definitely will be one now. Uh, so, in the spirit of that, uh, we do the, as we always do rotation. What have you guys been listening to lately? Let's start with let's start with Matthias. I listen to the latest Megadeth album, the uh, the, uh, the, um, the killing the dead and the dying, or soon to be dead and the sick and uh, <laughs> something. Uh-huh. Things are not working out for them anyway, and things are looking bleak. 
in the title of the latest. The sick, the dying, and the dead, exclamation point. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, so how do you feel about How I feel about it? I would say... I was really disappointed. All right. Yeah, I think it was sort of me- metal by numbers, boring metal drumming, and mm. uh, the songwriting wasn't really. My my Megadeth mm. is the Megadeth with really unorthodox, kind of weird song structures, almost like early Merciful Fate kind of yeah. songwriting with parts coming and going without. It's just like there is some sort of feel that now the song goes this way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not like logic. It's just now we go this way. Yeah. And often it just works mm. on the older albums. But Megadeth nowadays seems to just play some sort of metal mm. that really does it. I mean, he, his vocals are fine. The guitar work is fine. But no, it didn't really... I'd be interested to hear what... Um because uh, Jonathan has, has a Megadeth podcast mm. with, with uh, Greg called let me find I want to get the name right so far so pod so what there you go yeah um, so I wonder what I don't know if they, they they probably obviously touched on this a little bit they should have I, I would imagine um, they, they I think I think they I think they've um, they've discussed some of the singles that came out I yeah mean, I think they did there's one song called Dogs of Chernobyl yeah that's the one that I heard and I kind of I, kind of I that thought out. that was Okay. Yeah. It was at least the most unusual song on the album. Yeah, that I agree with because I listened. I listened. I listened um, to it. Uh, I think it was this last Friday. Yeah. And uh, th- yeah, that's the one that stuck out for me. Yeah. The other one, the other album I've been listening to was, uh, and this is really weird. I don't know why, but I just happened to read a a, a review of a Danish cell- cello players latest album mm-hmm. and her name is Josephine Upsal mm-hmm. I think and her album was called uh, Atrium Atrium mm-hmm. and that was really good stuff really weird she uses the like which is very modern today where she samples herself and uses pedals and loops and stuff like that but it's still like you can hear Bach you can hear traditional cello that's cool playing but also a bit like uh, far east sort of notes and I, I just i just got really mesmerized by it mm. uh so I, I had that on rotation while i was doing the laundry the other day oh, very nice. uh mm. josephine Uppsal. Mm-hmm. Uh, 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 yeah i gotta i gotta see how we're gonna do uh, moving forward um i don't know what we're gonna do clips in the episode because of the copyright stuff, but we'll see. We'll see because apparently they're cl- they're. I don't want. I don't want all these episodes to disappear from Spotify. So we'll see what happens. But <laughs> all right, how about you, Henrik? Well, I am not really heavily rotating things at all. But the album that was on my turntable last night was. I don't know if it's classified as an EP or if it's an LP, but it's a very short LP. Then it's uh, by. I've mentioned them before in this on this pod when it comes to rotation and it's the German the German ensemble Boren und der Club of Gore yeah I remember that plays some kind of jazzy cinematic music Mm -hmm. and 
I'm not sure what the album is called. I think if it's in German, it should be called Belied or it's Belied. I don't know, but it's something like that. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it, it's just it's just, it's their vibe, and I really like it. And it has guest vocals by Michael, Michael by Mike Patton, which is really odd because it doesn't really have to be there. But all of a sudden he starts singing, and that's really weird. All right, I'll uh, I'll link some of the stuff. Yeah. Uh, so I've been listening to the new Machine Head. Uh, it's called The Kingdom and Crown, and I listened to it uh, quite a bit when I was I was recently in the states, and I listened. To, it came out when I was there. I listened to it quite a bit there, and then on Friday when I was listening to Megadeth. Um, after I was done with that, I listened to the Machine Head again, and I can uh, I feel the new Machine Head is better than the Megadeth. <laughs> mm-hmm. mm-hmm. uh, I don't know if Machine Head is any of your guys' uh, thing, but I, I wasn't really listening to that kind of music then. No. The, the first two albums were on rotation mm-hmm. back yeah. then, but that's quite a while ago. Yeah. Now you, you bought them, you had them, or no? I had. I mean. Back then, you socialize with people and you listen to records and. Oh, um, he knows people. I, uh, <laughs> a few, two. <Yeah. laughs> All right. Well, I think that is the end of this uh, particular uh, deep dive into an odd song. Yeah. Or, or, or maybe not an odd song. Maybe just a. Well, in, yeah, that's a good point. Isn't an odd song? I was going to say almost a deep cut, but it's. I mean, they played it live. They played it live <laughs> so, a few times and even brought I it mean, back. So. And, uh, I mean, is it a deep cut? They released it as a single, even though not in the UK, but in, in Holland so, and in, no, in North America. Of so, probably, perhaps it's not the, no. the rare bird that I made it out to be. So, yeah. it's a shallow cut. A shallow cut. Yeah. Shallow <laughs> cut. But, a cut in the uh, yeah. I mean, if they would play it again live I would say oh great they're playing yeah, that'd be fun. Flies. yeah yeah I mean I mean there's stuff on that album I'd love to hear that I, that I think they they could do better now than they did on the album yeah, yeah. For, for the same reasons more guitars more energy yeah. more temp more tempo <laughs> more tempo I want more tempo I want fewer tempos <laughs> <laughs> higher tempo yeah faster versions I mean yeah mm-hmm. uh, but uh, yeah well, we'll see. Who knows? Maybe I don't. I don't necessarily think it's going to happen. But not necessarily. I no. mean, they have not yet released the the logic, uh, you know, continuation from Made in England '88 DVD thing. The '90s hasn't the 90s. really come out. Well, here's the thing about that. Uh, and Fergal pointed this out back when we were doing one of the many speculation things. When is he back on again? It's been a while. soon. I hope. Yeah. He's he's well. well, well I, I, yeah. I, uh, we now that we're back up and running. Uh, mm-hmm. Hopefully very soon, um, but uh, on the on the the also did too in the in the liner notes. Uh, I mean, Steve thanks so many people in, the, in that one. Even like I think Blaze is thanked. There's people so there's, yeah, and there's people yeah. involved who were involved with the with the with these DVDs who were thanked in it. So my theory is maybe there's something already recorded and they just haven't released it. Yet. Okay, maybe that'll be. I released. like your theory. Maybe, I hope it's true. Maybe that'll be released in conjunction with the next tour. Yeah. Uh, okay. But I don't know, but I, but it seems that wouldn't that contradicts my theory about it maybe being a somewhere in time situation. Who knows? Or, or we'll the small venues tour to place and Utah in its entirety. Well, we'll so there, there's loads of things that people are speculating in. All, on all we know about. at the moment is that they're coming, they're doing some tour, some festivals next year. I'm sure they have not played their last gig. Oh no, definitely yeah. not. Definitely not. No, no. I, I think we have. I, I think we have a few years left. Yeah. Um, but I guess more on that later. Uh, is there unless is there anything is there anything you guys want to promote that you are doing currently that uh, 
dearly wished you brought in this. We're trying to survive in these harsh yeah. times. Wait a minute, let me oh, go. I don't know. I'll try. That almost was a little bit well, how, well, you, I mean, you, you guys are in a band. We haven't put, we haven't mentioned that in a while here. Yes, I'll put some of that in here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, we we have hopefully finished recording the drums. We did tear the recording equipment down, so or not the equipment, but the, <laughs> the set it apart. <laughs> yeah, we we took all we took all the leads out of the. So what, what is this band called? Dead Cosmonaut. Yeah, it's a great band. Yeah. And. Uh, so the next phase is base. The next phase is base. Mm -hmm. mm. It is. So, more on that later. Yes. Yep. In the future to come. Indeed. All right. Well, uh, until next time, uh, we, we'll do this way. I'll say the the first bit, and one of you, you one of you guys, whoever. It's wants. going to be Matthias, you know. So. Okay. You can say it's called from the north. <laughs> so up the irons and skull from the north. <laughs> it's going to be Matthias.